0: This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We have been in the book of Nehemiah for seven weeks. And uh, I've enjoyed this study. Um, I've enjoyed... The Lord always opens my eyes when I study for books and um, things that uh, I've always known. I love how um, through Bible study for preaching, oftentimes things are just added to that that just make it more real. Um, And if you've been here long at all, I believe you know um, my heart for preaching, but not just preaching, my heart for preaching the Bible. And there is... A big difference in the two. Um, preaching, giving a speech, giving a, um, giving a speech that would encourage people, an inspirational speech. You can preach about anything you want to. People preach all the time about whatever. Um, preaching the word of God is a different, completely different thing. Um, The transition from the first seven chapters of the book of Nehemiah into chapter 8 is notable because the first seven chapters of the book of Nehemiah, uh, theologians believe that the first seven chapters were actually taken directly from Nehemiah's written journal. Um, So it was kind of a first hand from Nehemiah that Ezra actually produced. Um, Many believe, and we mentioned this the first week Many believe that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah were actually one book, um, and they were kind of split up as the Bible was being put together. Um, So those books will connect. Beginning here in chapter 8, Ezra kind of takes over the writing of it, even though in this chapter you're going to see Ezra referring to himself in third person, which is always cool. Um, Anybody have friends that refer to themselves in third person? Um, So, yeah, so... Um, But chapter 8 is kind of the transition away from Nehemiah's personal written journal, if you want to look at it that way, into a more traditional look at the book. In this previous chapter, in chapter 7, we talked about Nehemiah boosting the morale of the community um, after the big victory. He brought them together. Um, He had all the people together, which is always a good thing, to celebrate their victory. And then he... Uh, took record of all the people that had helped build that wall. In just 52 days, they completed the wall. He took record of that, knowing that in the Jewish tradition, um, knowing who your ancestors were and what they did was extremely important. As we know, the bloodline of Jesus Christ himself came through the, the children of Israel. And understanding the importance of that... I mean, it was just big in their culture. And so he boosted their morale. They were able to come and, and they took note of each family and even what they did um, during that time. Just building the morale of the people. We're going to pick up today in chapter 8 with one of my absolute favorite passages of scripture. Um, it has been for a long time, but it just added to it this week in study. The children of Israel just experienced a wonderful victory completing the wall. They celebrated that victory, but they're not out of the woods yet. We'll learn as the book continues that they're not out of the woods yet. But they do gather together here in chapter 8 to listen to Ezra the priest present the law of God to them. Uh, There's some incredible truths in this passage, and let me say this. As we read the passage, just a second, just take note. there's uh, There's some traditional things that... We have gathered from this chapter that many churches still practice today. Um, and they're, they're good things. By the way, not all traditions are bad things. When traditions are placed above Scripture, they become bad things. But when traditions are placed underneath Scripture, there's absolutely nothing wrong um, with these traditions. And So you'll see as we read through um, this passage, you'll see some things um, that you're like, "Oh, okay, cool, so that's why. That's why some churches do that, or that's why some people, that's why they react that way or why they do that. Um, but my prayer today is not that we would see those little nuanced things in Scripture. Uh, my prayer today is not that we learn some more facts. My prayer today is that we will even more so firmly plant ourselves on the authority of God's Word and the preaching of God's Word as a church. When we leave today, I want us to be further committed to the preaching of, of god 's word when we leave here today, I want us further committed to when Josh brings somebody in to preach and they maybe don 't preach straight out of the text we go i don 't know if i, I don 't know if i 'm not really sure about that um, I want whenever you um, all you social media uh, preacher followers, when you, when you hear or watch sermons online and, and you see somebody take a word or two out of a, a verse and preach a 45-minute sermon on a word or two out of a verse, that you go, I'm not quite, I don't know, I, I want the word. And what I want to do today is I want to create and cultivate a thirst for God's word in our lives, individually and corporately. Nehemiah chapter 8, today's sermon title is simply A Word About the Word. A Word About the Word. Nehemiah chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, you can look on, obviously, on an app if you'd like. We have it on the screen here if you have neither one. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 simply says Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. By the way, there's some significance about that I won't get into, but there is some significance about when this took place. Uh, Then he read verse 3 from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him, at his right hand, stood this group of people. And Ezra, verse 5, <laughs> opened the book in the sight of all the people. I would figure we make it easier, all right? Open. <laughs> Verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, this group of people and the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 11 So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Can we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, we stand upon it. It is the truth upon which we live our lives. God, it is the truth upon which we make our decisions. God, I pray today you would lead us through your word, that you would ignite a fire in our spirit for your word, a thirst in our soul for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want us to just walk through. Did you catch some of those things, by the way? Did you catch some of the, maybe the traditions when the word of God was read, the people automatically stood up? And, and even to this day, many churches, when they read the scripture, will have everyone stand while they read the scripture. I, I love that, by the way. Um, when, when, the, when the preaching of the word was done, people said, amen. I know it scares some of y'all. There's nothing better than like an oddly timed amen, you know, where you're like, and then you look over here at this portion of scripture and somebody's like, amen. It's like, I didn't say anything yet. Chill. All right. But, uh, but, um, but they lifted up their hands and said, amen. But did you notice They also bow their faces to the ground, and worship. All of these things are good things. Just little things we could pick out, Um, not the not the main driving force of the sermon today, Uh, but just just to read through this chapter and to see those things. I thought that was neat. They built a a pulpit, a platform of wood. Hey, we have one of those. uh, we built this, um, no, but uh, we have a platform of wood that they stand upon, and oftentimes a pulpit it would even be a wooden pulpit in many churches that they would preach behind um, and so just some neat things there. I hope uh, you know I, I enjoyed seeing those things as we as I studied through it and today, but today, I wanted to highlight these verses as it relates to the Word of God. Number one, I want us to see this I want us to see the unified gathering, the unified Gathering. Verse 1 says this, now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square. That was in front of the Watergate. They gathered together as one man. Let me say this morning, I absolutely love the gathering together of God's people to hear God's word. Listen, I I appreciate wherever God's word is preached. I appreciate today many, many ministries that are online, ministries that preach God's word online. And you can be in your car on your way to work and you can pull that up and listen to it. Man, I praise God for that. I praise God for those that maybe watch them at night before they go to bed. I praise God for that. But there is nothing like the gathering together of people. To listen to God's word being preached. The local assembly of people to hear God's word preached. But I don't merely appreciate the gathering together. What I really appreciate is the gathering together as one. The gathering together in unity you see, this morning, from this side of the room to this side of the room, we have people from all different walks of life. We have people from, honestly, all different types of church backgrounds and, and probably all different types of preferences and opinions that they would have about different things. But today, we come unified under this book right here. And can we say? Can I, may I say this this morning? Because we come unified in this book right here, if this book tells us to do something that's contrary to what we think, we line up with this book. Does everybody understand that? Listen, we need a whole lot more of what does the Bible say than what does the Bible say to me? Does everybody understand that? It's very simple to go ahead and put what we already think as the lens that we're going to view the rest of Scripture. I know if Scripture changes this pastor, then Scripture will change this pastor. We will will never, we will never I will never put what I already believe in front of what the Bible teaches. But we come together in unity. In unity. Unified together as one man. I'm not up here when we, uh, when we lead worship. At, well, when I'm up here when we're leading worship, it's because Tim ain't here. Anyway, if any, anybody... Anyway, but um, so I don't get to see this very often. Praise the Lord. Um, but... To me, there would be nothing better than to be leading worship and maybe your attention is, you know, up and to look down and just see a unified group of people singing out and just worshiping. Man, there is a fountain filled with blood, just unified in our voices. There's nothing better than unity when we gather together. Can I say on the contrary, there's nothing more. There's no more tension than when it's disunity. It's so awkward and so heavy when there's not unity. But when there is unity, it is amazing. We preached through the book of Philippians. It's almost been two years ago now when we began the book of Philippians. But the book of Philippians really does talk a lot about unity. In fact, we named that series United. Philippians one twenty-seven says, This only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Together as one. Together as one. Philippians 2, verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love. Being of one accord, of one mind, together as one. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. I implore uh, uh, man, Yodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Together as one. And there's nothing like it. Folks, I hope... That you feel that you are in the middle of a church that is together as one. And listen, just like any family, every now and then, the older brother's going to get on the nerves of the younger brother and vice versa. Hey, listen, that's part of the family. I'm not saying we're perfect. All right? If you're a Carolina football fan in here today, I ain't got much to say to you because I'm a Duke football fan. All right? We got a little beef every now and then. That's all good. I still love you. Just give me a couple days. All right, I'm just kidding. But the fact is, today, we are a family and we're not perfect, but I hope. I hope and pray that you sense in this church, in this body, that there's unity. Oh, everybody looks the same and everybody acts the same. No, 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 no. No, we're unified. We're together as one because we fall underneath this. We fall underneath God's word and there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it, and can I say you can apply this in your home? There's nothing like a home that is unified. There's nothing like a workplace that is unified. There's nothing like an extended family that's unified. I won't go. There. I won't stay there too long. There's nothing like cousins and aunts and uncles that actually like each other. Um, there's nothing like unity, and I appreciate the way this started. That the people gathered together as one, the unified gathering. May it be said that every Sunday at ten thirty. At Southwest Elementary School, 2320 Cook Road, that we gather together as one. As one. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see this. Not only was, was there a unified gathering, but I want us to see the thirst for the word. The thirst for the word this morning. Continue in verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, To bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Wait just a second. Did I read that properly? Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they, the people, the people told Ezra to bring the word. They didn't even ask him. Hey, Ezra, would you, if you have time? No, the people said... Hey, Ezra, go get the law, get the word, and read it to us, and preach it to us, and deliver it to us. The people had a thirst for God's word. And may I just say, this thought that I had, the, this thirst that the children of Israel had for the law, they had just spent 52 days working from sunup to sundown. They had just spent, many of them had just spent three months prior to that uh, coming three months across the desert all the way from where they were with Artaxerxes all the way across the desert with Nehemiah. So for approximately four and a half to five months, these people had been traveling in the heat and had been working their tails off. They had been giving giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And I believe they came to a point where they finished that wall and they said, okay, it's time for us to... For people to pour into us and I need to receive and I need to receive and I need to receive and I need to receive. And And may I say this morning that many of you have been giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. You're a parent. You've poured into your children all week long. You've given and you've given and you've given. You're passionate about your work and you've poured into your work and given and given and given. And sometimes on a Sunday, you know what you need to do. You need to come in here and we need to open up God's word and you need to receive and receive, and receive, and receive. Listen, if you spend your entire life giving, and giving, and giving, and giving, and never receiving, 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 you will burn out. You will. You will burn out. If you spend your entire life giving, and giving, and giving, and never taking time to receive as a pastor, and I get up here nearly every Sunday, and I preach God's word, you know what I do during the week is I make it a point for other people to pour into me, whether it is personally or whether I seek out a sermon series and different things online that I can listen to because I don't need to be guilty of just giving and giving and giving and giving. That's one of the reasons why about once every two months, a man in our church will preach from behind this pulpit. You know why? Because every now and then I want to sit right there beside Paula. No, My wife. Beside my wife. I'm usually up here in the front, though. Um, I want to sit beside my wife, and I want Jeff Witt to preach God's word to me. I want to hear Tim, Steve, preach God's word to me. And I, I believe this. Now, I can't document this in Scripture, but I full well believe that these people were honestly, spiritually, just worn out. They had traveled and traveled and traveled. They had worked and worked and worked. And they had opposition, 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 both externally, internally. And finally, they get done with this wall and they go, Ezra, just read the Bible to us. Just get the book of the law and read it to us. Open it up and deliver it. And they needed that. They wanted that. We need to come to the place just like these people came to the place That listen, we're going to spend our lives giving and giving and giving, but we're going to develop a thirst to receive, receive, receive. To receive the bread of life contained in this book. To receive that water that will never run dry. To receive what God has for us. That is spiritual maturity. To develop a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. Why? Because you know you need it. I'm convinced the children of Israel knew they needed it. And I'm not coming to church on Sunday because that's just what I do. I'm not coming to church on Sunday because me and Josh have a good connection and I don't want to disappoint them. No, I'm coming to church because I need to hear what God has to say from his book. And by, we'll get to that. Alright. 1 Peter 2 verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. That you may grow thereby. That's what we we want to desire. That milk of the word. Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And can I say... I hate to say this, but I, I, fir- I firmly believe that many churches across this world, they're in a famine of hearing God's word. And can I say this? I, I've made this statement because I, have, I, I believe that I've got a family and, and other people that are, are stuck in places that they are starving and they're in a famine and they don't even realize it. John six sixty three. the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life the word of god can i say this morning that we at keystone church no matter if this is your first week here or you helped us launch this church we need a revival of a thirst and a hunger for god's word both personally monday through sunday and corporately on sunday and sunday evening teenagers and, and, and monday i'm sorry tuesday and wednesday connect group and connect group leaders we need a thirst For God's word. For God's word. Listen, we need to know God's word. We need to know what it means. We need to know what it says. We when someone asks us a question about what we believe about that, we need to take them to God's word and, and point it out what God's Word says. We need to stop relying on, Oh yeah, I went to Sunday school, so yeah, I believe we believe this. I don't know where that is in the Bible, but yeah, I think I believe this. No, we need a passion for God's word. A thirst and a hunger. For God's word, but not only that we see thirdly this morning. We see the attention to the word y'all knew it was coming The attention to the word man. This is like the pastor's favorite verse. Look at verse three Get ready. Then he read from it in the open square. This is ezra That was in front of the water gate. Look at this man from morning until midday I don't know how long that was But I mean, anyway, I I, I digress. Before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. I'm not going to get off on a hobby horse here for a long time, I promise. But can we just come to the reality of our attention spans? Especially when it comes to something that's white pages with black writing and it gets really exciting over here in the New Testament because there's some red writing right there in the words of Christ. Um, Maybe you have like the picture illustrated Bible in your, in your, in your possession right now. I'm not sure, but can we be real in 2019? Sometimes our attention spans have been played with so much by our culture. There's studies that say you have seven seconds before the person decides positively or negatively about whatever you're putting out. Seven seconds. It's horrible. Hope you don't come listen to none of my sermons. Um, Seven seconds. Good night. But our minds wonder. Our thoughts will take us into la-la land. The truth is, right now, some guys are wondering, do I need to make a move in my fantasy football league before one o'clock today? Is that the guy that was questionable? Is he playing or is he not playing? If you're Tim, you just don't care and uh, you just leave your people empty and stuff. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, but do I need to make these moves on my fantasy football? Ladies, you're thinking, you know what? I wonder if that is that Kate Spade sale still going on? Like, I, I think it did it stop last night or. Oh, no, I bet my kids. I, I wonder what they want for lunch today. And our minds are wondering and our thoughts are wondering. Teens are thinking about that project that's due this week in school that they have yet to tell their parents about. Y'all know how it is. And our minds tend to wonder. In fact, the fact that I use those as illustrations, some of our minds are wondering now because I did that. That's my fault. Some of you guys are like, you know what? I hadn't looked at my fantasy football uh, app in like three weeks. But the fact is this, the children of Israel gave their attention to God's word. And this lasted at least for hours. It said from morning until midday. I don't know, let's, be, let's just be generous. Let's say 10 o'clock in the morning. That's your Sunday morning. You know, during the week, y'all are cool getting to work at 7.15. 30 on Sunday is tough, I know. Um, but uh, let's just say 10 a.m. 10 a.m. is the morning, and let's just say midday is 2. I think those are both, like, very conservative So let's just say for approximately four hours, let's just say Ezra got up and delivered the word and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. This lasted for hours. And can I say this? I joke about it as a pastor. I believe you understand this. I do try to respect your time. I understand I, I respect the fact that we typically will stay here from ten thirty to typically eleven forty five, maybe at the latest twelve noon on a Sunday. I understand. Okay, I want to respect your time. I will never purposefully disrespect your time that way. But I will also say this: God's Holy Spirit leads, and if God's Holy Spirit leads Tim to keep singing, well then keep singing. If God's Holy Spirit leads to take the order of service, Justin, that we've developed and we've gone through and here's how we're going to do this and we're going to show this there and we're going to do this here and we're going to do that there. We need to to chill and we need to let God move. We need to understand that if you don't get to the restaurant before everybody else does, you're going to be okay. Hey, young people, teenagers, guess what? You ain't got to go potty every single time we open up God's Word. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Hey, contrast this with the New Testament when Paul was preaching and the, the young man falls asleep in the windowsill and falls out and dies. That could be you. <laughs> could be you. What, am I saying that you come next Sunday and i preach for three hours? No. What I am saying is this. If I did, we should be cool with it. If Steve preaches next time, I'll use Steve because Steve doesn't like preaching for a long time. Y'all know if Steve's ever preaching, you're getting out early, it's great, right? If Steve gets up here next time to preach, and Steve preaches for three hours, okay. It's going to do a lot more for me than whatever I had planned for the following hour and a half. It's okay. They were attentive to God's word. And can I say this? As, As a parent of children, I don't have the answer, but I... Whatever I can do to help my children focus their attention, especially when it comes to the things of God. Every fifth Sunday for the first through fifth graders, every time there's a fifth Sunday, we have family worship. We bring them in the service with us. This past summer into October, we actually had the kids uh, from first grade, uh, second grade on up in here with us all summer. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But adults, is the same for us, our attention to God's word. But not only that, I love this, the understanding of God's word, the understanding of the word. They placed these men, or these people, I'm not sure if they're all men, I can't tell by their names, and the Levites, verse 7, helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place, so they read distinctly from the book and the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. One of our core values at Keystone, if you go through starting point, you'll hear this, is that we want to keep it clear. That's one of our values. My goal is that when you leave here today and you get in the car and your kid goes, Now, Mommy, what was the, what was the lesson about today? You can look at your little kid and say... Hey, we talked about the importance of God's word. We talked about the importance of preaching God's word. We talked about how we ought to have a thirst and a desire for God's word. You know, my goal is not to get up here every Sunday and challenge you so much academically in scripture and theologically in scripture that you leave here going, I think that was good. I'm not really sure exactly what he was talking about, but I think it was good. I mean, sure, it had to be good, right? That's not my goal. And, and, and here, as you can imagine, thinking back through the Old Testament law that we have and that we could read from, think about the confusion that could be had there. And so they had people planted throughout the, the masses that would say, Hey, if you have a question about what he's reading, hey, we'll answer that. We'll help you understand. And they helped the people to understand. Hey, at the end of the day, God didn't give us this book so that we could complicate it. He gave us this book so we could make it clear. In fact, one of the main, I believe one of the main gifts of communication is making the complex simple. Making the complex simple. And this is a complex book. I'll give it to you. Hey, listen, there are elements of this book that I look at and I go, man, I need to call a couple of trusted friends of mine and have them help me walk through this. Hey, there's some elements in this book that I'm like, man, I know what it means. But man, that's going to be a tough one to preach right there. It's complex. I give you that. But my job and the job here was not to make it complex or more complex. The job was to make it easier to be understood. And can I just say this as you read your Bible? How many of you, let's be real. How many of you read your Bible? And when sometimes when you read your Bible, you read something. You're like, I got no clue. Right? Raise your hand. you with me? I got no clue. Some of y'all lying. All right. <laughs> some of y'all, y'all are like, I just don't read my Bible. Anyway, um, I'm not, I, I don't believe these are going to be on the screen. That list is on the screen, right, Justin? Nope, you're good. I didn't, I didn't ask you to put it on the screen. Here are some questions, and I'll put these questions on our Facebook group today so that you can have them. If you're not a part of our Facebook group, we'll add you as long as you're friends with one of us in here. We have a private Facebook group that we kind of interact throughout the week. Um, but here are some questions I would ask myself as I'm trying to understand Scripture. If I come to a place, I'm reading scripture, i got no clue. What does this mean? Who is writing this? Who wrote this? Secondly, to whom is this being written? Who wrote this? And who are they writing to? Number three, what are some of the historical events that are taking place around this same time? What are the documented historical events? Fourthly, a difficult one. What genre is this being written in? Understand, historical books of the Bible, the book of Acts, will be interpreted differently than poetry. New Testament will be interpreted differently than Old Testament. Finding the genre of the book. Fifthly, does this directly apply to me today? Or do I need to further understand the context? Okay? Okay. Does this directly apply to me today? Or do I need to further understand the context? And then I believe one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. How does this fit in the overall narrative of Scripture? Human beings fallen in their flesh and in their sin. And the redemptive plan of God Almighty to send Jesus to be the restorer to Him. How does this fit in there? We must commit to proper understanding of God's Word proper understanding of the Word of God. All the people went their way, verse 12, to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Lastly, I want us to see this, and we're done. I want to see lastly the commitment to the Word. The commitment to the Word. Look at verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading I believe this to be the most important truth of this sermon today they literally opened up Ezra opened up the word and he read it how many of you have heard of the sermon Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. You've heard that sermon mentioned. Did you know that history says, and I wasn't there, but history tells us, you would think a sermon with that title, that this dude was like popping blood vessels while he preached that, right? You know what they say? They say Jonathan Edwards got up and manuscripted that sermon and sat there and read that sermon. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You see, Ezra, he didn't get up and scream and shout and holler and stomp and spit and snort. He got up and he literally read the word. He got up and he distinctly read from the book. Here's what he did. He opened the word of God and read it. He gave the sense. And then the people... The Levites and the others helped people to understand what it said. And I took that as a personal challenge to me as a pastor. Here's what I'm to do. Me as a pastor, anytime one of the anybody else gets up here and preaches, we are to read the word, we are to preach the word, and then we are to explain the word. I think we overcomplicate it sometimes. Hey, listen, today's today's sermon, I am to read Nehemiah 8 1 through 12. I am to preach about Nehemiah 8, 1 through 12. And I am to explain it so that when you walk out of here, you understand it. That is it. We overcomplicate things sometimes. And the fact is this, you didn't come here today to hear from me. And if you did, I am so sorry. Because I will disappoint you, I promise. But you showed up to hear, here today, I hope, to hear what God had to say From His Word, and by God's grace, that is what our commitment will be every Sunday. When I was in Maryland, uh, my pastor up there is is committed, overly committed to this style of preaching, right through books of the Bible. And he said one day when he knew that the Lord was using his preaching, well, uh, was when he had an older man come up to him after the service and goes, "I just want to let you know something. I didn't come here today to see you." He was like, "All right, cool. If y'all know Baltimore people, that's just the way they are. All right, they'll just tell you." And he's like, I didn't come here today to see you. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, why'd you come? He's like, I came to hear from God. And he's like, you know what? I hope everybody has that same mentality. Hope you don't come here today to see somebody or to hear somebody. I hope you come today to hear what God has to say through his word. Because the truth is here. Josh Cox is not preaching here. God's word is being preached here. And I'll be honest with you, I don't care if it's Josh Cox up here preaching it or Lord have mercy if it's Avery Cox up here preaching it. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a guest speaker that we have come in. I don't care if it's one of our elders or one of our other leaders in our church. I don't care who it is today. It's not me preaching that brings you here. It should be what is being preached that brings you here. It is God's word. It's the commitment that we will have as a church to the preaching of God's word. Word. That's the main event. That's why we're here. Listen, the, the worship and the, and the preaching, we come together for that encounter, for that experience corporately together. That's what we need to spend our time, and I need to spend my time preparing for and doing. The truth is, no one cares, or I hope you don't care, what I think about politics, nationally, federally, state-wise, locally. I hope you don't care what I think about politics, because I don't know half the things about what I care about about politics. It's so confusing. All right, I hope that's not why you're here. I hope that today you don't care about my takes on sports, or my take on music, or my take on the latest whatever that's going on in our culture today. If you're coming here for that, i got 15 churches I can send you to that will do a better job of addressing those things than what I'm going to do. If you come here, it's because God's word is being preached. And we have a hunger and we have a thirst for God's word. I know some of y'all thought you were going to come today and y'all were going to hear me recite lyrics from Kanye West's new album. It just didn't. Not happening today, guys. I'm sorry. This entire sermon has revolved around the commitment to preaching the word. And as we close, I want us to see something that when it was presented to me, opened my eyes. Um, I want to give you a nugget of truth that I believe will stick with you that helped shape my pattern of preaching. You see, I wasn't always committed to preaching the Bible like this. I was kind of the guy that would like I would look through a passage and try to find like a cute phrase and think, oh, that'll be a great thing to preach. Let me try to find some other places in Scripture that say what I want it to say so that I can formulate what I want to say about this, these couple words. That was me. This truth helped me navigate into what I feel is Bible preaching. 2 Timothy chapter 3, two very, very, very popular verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I believe if you've been in church much, you know. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. By the way, those portions of Scripture that we don't think are profitable, all Scripture is profitable. It's our job sometimes to figure out why, right? And sometimes this job is tougher than others. But all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, For correction, for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so often we end the thought. Okay? So often we end the thought. But the thought does not end there. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. I charge you, therefore... And we understand the word therefore means that because of what you just heard, I'm about to present something. Okay, so what we've just heard. Now therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead it is is appearing in His kingdom. Verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, Exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And can I say this? That for the first thirty years of my life, when I heard Second Timothy four two, I said, I this is the way I thought the verse went. Preach whoa! the Word. Preach and run and scream and the word. But I think we have to be very honest with ourselves. And we have to look at the context of these verses. And when we look in context in these verses, I will not preach to get my point across or to solicit a response from the audience that will just make me feel good about my preaching or to manipulate your minds to agree with me. That's not what I will do. When I focus and look at these verses in context, I will see that my focus should be on two words in verse 2, and that is the Word. The Word that is powerful, the Word that is inspired, the Word that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, that Word, that Word that will convince, will rebuke, will exhort, will correct, and will instruct. Keystone Church, that is our focus and our goal. It is not to preach the word. It is to preach the word. The profitable word. The word that will rebuke sometimes. The word that will instruct. The word that will exhort. The word that will lift us up and break us down. The word that will put us back together and then break us down again later. That word. That word. It's powerful. It's alive. It's the book that I'm called to. And this book should be what we hunger and thirst after. Church family, can we bring it, bring it down now? so what we should hunger and thirst after. I'm not going to guilt trip you today. I'm going to just beg you to make this book a part of your daily life I'm going to beg you to do that can we get back to this book read it study it discuss it share it meditate on it ask questions about it seek more understanding can we get back to the book back to God's word There are people in countries all over this world that, even with modern technology, and I absolutely love what the Bible app has done with the millions and millions of downloads that it has and the people that have access to God's Word that never would. I'm so thankful for that. But we we have to be wise to understand that there are so many languages out there and there are so many small pockets of people all throughout this world that don't have God's Word. And to think that I bought this copy because I really like the leather on the outside of it. It smells great and it's amazing. Honestly. I got it because it's small enough for me to carry while I preach. It's not big and bulky and it's really easy and it's flexible. That's why I bought this Bible. And if I didn't bring this Bible today, I would bring one of my 10 others. You know, i, I got to be honest. You don't have to do it. I have to like dust the, dust the dust off the 10 others. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink. It's about lunchtime. To send portions and rejoice greatly. Because they understood the words that were declared to them. God's word. Today was simply a word about the word. Heavenly Father. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.